the book of Romans. Glad to have you all with us again, social media, Facebook. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And our team here, our folks here, thank you for being here with us. And let's just open tonight in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together to study your Bible, to study the book of Romans, to study together, Father. Thank you for the unity, for bringing us together. Thank you for all those listening on air tonight. God bless you all, and the Lord touch you as we go through this lesson tonight. Amen. Lesson 13 for tonight, folks. It's a ransom for freedom. Ransom for freedom. Romans 7, basically the chapter 7 of Romans. And tonight as we look at that, we're going to look at some of the things God is saying to us about freedom and about uh, grace. In chapter 7, Paul explains that in our union with Jesus Christ, we also did what? We died to the law. When we die to sin, we also die to the law. The law can no longer prosecute us because in the eyes of the law, we are dead. And we'll look into more of that as we go tonight. However, Christians have been given new life with Christ. So where does that put us tonight? We'll see more of that in chapter 7. Paul continues to explain why Christians are not under the law in this chapter. He also shows us why we lose our battle with the flesh even when we would desire to do what is right and good. In addition, Paul is very open and honest about his own struggle. Thank God he was with his own flesh and the lessons he learned. And we'll see some of that tonight as we go through uh, Romans chapter 7. We have a short video this evening. It has to do with the law and grace. And then we'll go right into the discussion uh, on lesson 13. God bless you and enjoy this video. A man speeding on the freeway, desperately trying to get his wife, who is in labour, to the hospital on time, is pulled over by a highway patrol officer. The flashing blue and red lights in his rearview mirror tell the man that, despite his dire situation, he will need to stop. As luck would have it, the police officer is a gracious and merciful man. After hearing of the driver's tenuous situation and seeing his distressed wife next to him, the police officer waves the man on his way without giving him a ticket for speeding. Before the man throws his car into gear, the police officer gives him a parting word of warning. He is free to go without a penalty, but he needs to remember to obey the road rules not only for the safety of everyone around him, but also for his own safety and the safety of his wife and unborn child. Relieved and thankful, the man is off. And this time, he is mindful to stay within the speed limit. You see, the police officer's offer of grace did not in any way do away with the law or negate the importance of the law. 
In fact, the police officer's grace most likely reinforced the necessity of the law more deeply in the man's mind. Law and grace are totally linked in the Bible. One complements and reinforces the other. Let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about this fascinating topic. Fact number one. The Bible defines sin as breaking God's law or lawlessness. The Bible says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Fact number two. God's law, the Ten Commandments, give us a knowledge of sin and tell us what sin is. The Bible says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Fact number three. God's law is the eternal, unchangeable standard of his government. The Bible says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Fact number four. The Bible compares the law to a mirror. The Bible says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Fact number five. While the law shows us our sin, only God's grace saves us. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Fact number six. When we accept Jesus, God writes his law in our hearts. The Bible says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Fact number seven. We cannot profess to accept Jesus and refuse to embrace his law. The Bible says, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Fact number eight. If we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. The Bible says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Fact number nine. Jesus came to establish the law, not to destroy it. The Bible says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And finally, fact number 10. God's end time people will obey his commandments. The Bible says, 
Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So there they are. Ten important facts about God's law and his grace. One, the Bible defines sin as breaking God's law or lawlessness. Two, the law of God gives us a knowledge of sin. Three, God's law is the eternal, unchangeable standard of his government. Four, the Bible compares the law to a mirror. Five, while the law shows us our sin, only God's grace saves us. Six, when we accept Jesus, God writes his law in our hearts. Seven, we cannot profess to accept Jesus and refuse to embrace his law. Eight, if we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. Nine, Jesus came to establish the law, not to destroy it. And ten, God's end-time people will obey his commandments. The law of God is a transcript of his character. The Bible tells us that through Jesus, we can have the power to reflect God's law in our hearts and obey it in our lives. Would you like to accept the grace of God, which empowers you to keep his law today? If you'd like to know more about God's grace and his law, then I'd like to recommend the free Bible reading guide we have for you today. It's called The Secret of Happiness. Just go to our incredible... Amen. That was an interesting story, especially the one about the police officer. Talk about God's mercy and grace. Police officer was parked outside a church one Sunday, and a car come flying out of the parking lot about 80 miles an hour. The police officer pulled over the vehicle. It said pastor's car on it. And he went up to the window, said, roll down the window. He said, what are you drinking in that canister? He says, water, officer. And the officer says, could I see it? And the officer looked at it and smelled it and said, that's not water, it's wine. The minister says, oh, my goodness, he did it again. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> Anyway, tonight's number 13, lesson number 13, Ransom for Freedom. Ransom for Freedom. As we go to uh, the, the study tonight, Romans chapter 7, verse 1 through 4, the extent of the law to begin with. And number one, what point do you think Paul is trying to make about the extent of the law with his analogy of marriage? talking about marriage there. Okay, what does that, uh, what's Paul trying to make? What point? Somebody? Sister? Um, so marriage is a relationship between you and your spouse. Uh-huh. And when we choose to follow Christ, we're entering into a relationship with him. Yeah. I think the uh, correlation is the relationship and also Sure, yeah. You become a different person within that marriage. Right. You become a different person within your relationship with Christ. Yes, ma'am. 
That was good. Anyone else have something else? Yes, sir. Amen. So now when we die to the law, we're not bound to the, uh, the precepts of the law. Sure. So we're released uh, from the covenant of the law, and we're all, and, and in that moment, we're bound to Christ. Yeah, amen. And so that uh, we live by grace instead right. of law. So we die to the law, and we look, we're alive in Christ. Praise God. And also thinking along on that same line, let everybody know, you that are listening and everything, Sometimes people go through things. There's times when people have gone through divorce. Don't let that destroy you because of what? God's mercy and grace, his forgiveness. And because of that, you can ask forgiveness from the Lord and say, Lord, whoever you would have for me as my husband or wife, forward, and he'll, he'll do that. But remember, he has mercy and grace on those that have been through these situations. There's been abuse women who are abused and beat up by the husbands and they leave. God has mercy for that. He has grace for that. And he also could save the husband. <laughs> okay, number two. By what means does a believer die to the law? It says, see also Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. What means does a believer die to the law? Somebody got that? Anybody? He died to his need for perfection. Okay. Um, the law raises a standard that's perfectly good to keep his people. And so you, you learn to rest in God and instead of trying to keep up rules to, to prove your worth. Yes, sir. Somebody else got something for that. By what means does a believer die to the law? It's, yes, ma'am. Uh -huh. and, um, by God. Amen. Sure. Praise God. And also by receiving God's grace and his mercy at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Amen. Number three, part A. For what purpose were we made to die to the law? Why were we made to die to the law? What purpose is there in that? Liz? Um, I said that we die to the law so that we may be born in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that me, we may do what because of that? Covenant. Covenant, yeah. And that we could do, we could bear fruit. Amen. We could bear fruit because of that. And to be joined to Christ. That's the main purpose. To die to the law is to be joined to Jesus Christ. Thank God. Part B, when we pursue this new purpose that we just read about, we just talked about, so we can bear fruit, be joined to Christ, what results does Paul suggest that we should follow, or should follow that? Once we bear fruit, once we're joined to Christ, what does Paul suggest should follow that? Okay, hang on a minute. Anybody over here got anything on that? 
Let us go ahead, huh? Mm-hmm. And also to be released from the law. It's important. And to serve in newness of spirit. We got a new spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, we want to follow the law. We want to follow the commandments that the Lord has for us. So we have newness of spirit, so we don't mind doing those things. Well, number four. What do the following verses suggest as fruit to God? Okay, John 4, 27 through 39. Okay, anybody read that? Yeah, let's read it now. Thank you, Pastor. Let's read that. John 4, 27 through 39. We'll get it up here in a minute. John 4, 27 through 39. And what are what do these verses suggest? Okay. Yeah, John four, twenty. Chapter four, whoever. <laughs> Amen. John four, starting at verse twenty-seven. Okay, go ahead. Yes. It's true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. Praise Many of the God. Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She told me everything I ever did. Praise God. So the, there's two main points there. What's the first one? Anybody got an idea? Because of what Pastor just read, because of that verse of Scripture, Talked about what? In the field, in the harvest, they're doing what? Sowing. Pardon? Winning souls. Winning souls. Sowing and reaping, right? Sowing and then reaping the results, which is life with Jesus. And doing God's will. That was the other point there. And then part B, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let me read that for you. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Five twenty-two. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, mm-hmm. joy, Amen. peace, forbearance, yes. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. 
Amen. <laughs> that was good, brother. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. We could all use a dose of that every now and then. Gentleness and self-control. Praise God. C, which is Ephesians 5, verse 9. It continues on there. Paul's talking about reaping and what we reap when we follow Jesus. Right, Ephesians 5, 9. Anybody have that one? I've got it. Wait a minute. Ephesians 5, verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And that brings that up. What, what is the answer to that? Ephesians 5, 9. What do the following verses suggest as a fruit to God? And they list the rest of them here. The Ephesians 5, 9. Yes, goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's all important. All right, the next section is called Before and After. Romans 7, 5, and 6. Let's go there for just a minute. Romans 7, verse 5 and 6. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which we were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for what? For death. And, and verse seven says, but, or 6 says, But now we have been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound by, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Okay, what, what does that mean? What is the relationship between our sinful passions and the law? Bob, what do you have for that one? Okay, uh, what is the relationship in that verse I just read, those verses, what is the relationship between our sinful passions and the law? Yeah, we need to be. The only uh, way that we can choose to sin is through the plan of salvation of Christ and his cross. Yeah. Amen. Who's got something else? Anybody? For that uh, scripture there? Romans 7, 5, and 6. I have sinful passions aroused by the law we're what? We're at work in our body to bear fruit for what? For death. When it's sinful passions, it's not God's direction. Number six, what is the result when the law interacts with our sinful passions? Says, uh, Liz. Mm-hmm. when they were dealing with the law because they felt like there was no way for them to ever do better or be better. And when people 
sure. And they end up bearing fruit for what? Death. For death. Okay, somebody else have something? Brother? Yeah, correct. And as a result, it brings death. Uh-huh. Paul says something to the effect that, you know, when I became aware of the law, I died. Go ahead, brother. also bears fruit for death, doesn't it? Number seven, how then have we been released from the law? How are we released from the law, everybody? Liz? By Jesus' sacrifice. By what? By Jesus' Yeah, and what are we to die to because of that? We've accepted Jesus, we love the Lord. What do we need to die to? We need to, yeah, we need to die to that thing we were bound to, whatever that was, right? We need to die to that. Die to that which we were bound. Number eight, how does Paul distinguish the difference between our activity before and after this release? Release of what? Release from the law. Before and after. Before what? What is the condition before? The distinguish the difference between our activity before and after we're released from the law. We just talked about it a minute ago. Before that, we are what? We're bound by something. What? Yeah, sinful passions. After that, when we commit it to the Lord, when we're released from, from that bound, boundness that we're in, what do we need to walk in? Ma'am? Faith or we should have a, a newness of spirit. We need that. Yes. Yeah, brother, that's, that's good. Okay, Romans 7, verse 7 and 8. Let's read that one together, okay? Romans 7, verse 7 and 8. What shall we say then? Is the loss then? By no means. Mm-hmm. I would not have known sin, yes. for I would not have known what it is to covet. If the law had not said, you shall, shall not, not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. Amen to that. Sin lies dead. No longer has a hold on you. No longer are you bound in that. When we walk in newness of life, that sin is dead. What conclusion, number nine, about the law does Paul forcefully reject? In those two scriptures, what is Paul rejecting? Uh, Liz? That the law itself is sinful. Correct. And, this is, and he says, may, may it never be. He was pretty forceful on that. 
So the law, sinful, may, may that never be. That's what Paul said. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think when when Jesus was on the earth, one example is that the woman that came to the well that had been through all kinds of things, adultery and all that, I imagine. And Jesus talked to her and says neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. He talked to her at the well. And she had a whole new, what did she do? She went and told everybody, this must be the, the son of God because he told me everything about my life. She changed what she was doing. She didn't say, thank you, Jesus. Now I've got the grace of God. I can go back and do prostitution again. That's wrong. For if you accept the Lord and you love Jesus with all your heart, how are you going to want to go do that? Sin may have you bound in that, but guess what? Newness of life. God can set you free. Amen? What, and number B to that question, number nine, is what might someone be tempted to draw the conclusion that Paul rejects? That was a tricky one. Let me say that again. What might someone be tempted to draw the conclusion that Paul rejects? Mary says, may it never be? Okay, Liz, what? Um, so I was thinking that somebody might be tempted to draw the conclusion of what Paul rejects because Paul says that before the law, uh, no one knew what those sins were. Like they Correct. They knew that they weren't committing them. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, they knew it was wrong. Amen. Somebody else has something for that? That's right. <laughs> And you think about like Sodom and Gomorrah. You think, oh, God destroyed that with fire. You know what? He sent the angels in there first, did he not? And they had a chance to repent. And only Lot and his family were out of there. But talk about sin and our heart. What did the wife do? She turned around and looked back at where they came out of. First woman to be assaulted. That's bad. <laughs> All right. Um, number 10. Read Romans 30. I mean, sorry, Romans 3, 28 and 
20. Romans 3, verse 20 and 28. And Galatians 2, 16. Based on your study thus far, you, do you think a person can be saved by fulfilling the law? It says, for we hold that one is just, oh, I'm sorry, justified by faith apart from works of the law. Go back to verse 20 for a second. For by works, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Everybody get that one? That's, that's profound right there. It says that no human will be justified in his sight by works of the law. Wow. <laughs> well, since through the law comes what? Knowledge of sin. You have the knowledge of sin because of the law. But thank God for what? Mercy and his grace. Amen? <laughs> yes. That's true. Amen. So through faith in Jesus Christ, that's how you can be saved, regardless of the law, through faith in Jesus Christ. And you look at when Jesus was on the earth and performing the miracles and touching the blind and raising Lazarus from the dead, all these things, there was rejoicing when it happened. When God touched someone, it doesn't say they went back to what they were doing. It says they went on rejoicing. And they went to others and said, look what he did. This is the Son of God. He touched me. I can walk now. That kind of thing. Sometimes we, we skip over that stuff. Those were miracles that God did for a purpose. So that others would come to know Jesus, his Son. Okay, number 11. Those same verses. According to Paul... What role does the law play in the process of salvation? What role does knowing those laws, Ten Commandments and whatever, what role does that play in our process of salvation? Yes, ma'am. Hang on, hon. We've got to get the mic over there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Is dead. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Good. You know, having Jesus in here, we've got something that causes us to pause sometimes when we think about sins and stuff like that. We got the Holy Spirit here that says, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, don't do that. I don't do that." And instead, He touches us and gives us another way to do whatever it was we're going to do. 
The law makes us aware of sin, doesn't it? Boy, does it. (laughs) Okay, number 12. In what way do you think sin is dead apart from the law? Why is sin dead apart from the law? Who has something on that? Okay, okay, where? <laughs> Who, who's got that? <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh, Liz, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was looking over here. You guys, give me something over here. <laughs> I'm going to stand over there all night. <laughs> I'm not picking on you. <laughs> okay, Liz. Okay, I'm sorry. In what way do you think sin is dead apart from the law? Yeah, when I was thinking about this question, I don't know if I kind of went like an abstract way with it, but the way that I kind of thought about it was that sin is dead apart from the law in the same way that ignorance is bliss. We know no better, but we still keep it when not wrong. Like, I mean, that's kind of where my mind went. Okay. All right. Well, there's no commandment, there's no sin. Correct. Right. Yeah. And then to piggyback off of what you said and something you just maybe said earlier, that um, on the passage there, um, just because the commandments hadn't been established yet, it didn't mean that these things were wrong. Because like right. you said with Sodom and Gomorrah, they were still punished for the things they did. It was still sinful, but they didn't have the commandments at that time. Correct. We have to be so careful also of the assumption that's out there, you know. Well, I said the sinner's prayer, I'm saved, and now I can do whatever I want. Yeah, well, responsibility. There's responsibility for that. Jesus didn't come to get rid of the law. He come to complete the law. Amen? Yes. I guess it's like a, a cop will tell you, ignorance of the law is no excuse. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a lot of laws on the books that most people don't know about until you <laughs> until you break the law and get caught up in it. Then Isn't you know, that the truth? You know for sure that it's the law. But yep. you know. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, Romans chapter 7, verse 9 through 11. Let's take a look at that. We'll read it together. Romans 7, 9 through 11. Praise God. This is good. It's studying Romans It's studying the law and also the grace that God affords us. See, he wants us to know about his mercy and his grace, but yet there are some laws that he expects us to follow as new Christians serving him. Okay, Romans chapter 7, 9 through 11. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Okay, Uh, according to verse 10, What does the law produce? The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. What does the law, now that's the tricky one, what does the law produce? People can say, oh, I don't believe in the law, I've got grace and mercy, I don't have to abide by any laws. But according to verse 10, what does the law itself produce? Death. Death, why? 
Right. You have to put in a conscious effort to be better every day. You have to consciously every day get up and say, I'm not going to be the Liz that I was before I was reborn in Christ. Amen. Yes. Take a look at verse 11 for just a second. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and though it killed me, and through it killed me. Wow, that's a tough one. And number 14, uh, 14 question A, says, what are some synonyms for the word deceive? It said deceive in there. Like defraud, betray, what else? Okay, throw them out there, Liz. Hoodwink. Hoodwink. <laughs> yep. Yep. Amen. Disappoint. Be dishonest. All those. Cheat. Anybody got anything else? Ma'am? Lies. Lies, yep, that's a good one. Anything else? Okay, those are all good. They're synonyms for deceive, defraud, betray, cheat, dupe, disappoint, be dishonest, lie. He wants us to get some of that in, in here. <laughs> Part B to that question, 13. How accurately do these synonyms we just looked at describe a believer's daily battle with sin? How does that describe this defraud Enemy wants to do what? Defraud whatever you're planning on doing. Okay, uh, Brother Dave. Brother Ernie, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a lot of personal experience, but <laughs> if you want to do something wrong, even though you know it's wrong, you can, you can rationalize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you can convince yourself that what you're doing is okay. Correct, and yeah. Consequences come along and yeah. get out of it. Disappoint is a big one. And yes. Another thought that I had on this was um, another struggle that we have with our daily battle with sin is that in the society we live in, mm -hmm. being as people who are non followers of Christ, we're the more susceptible to getting in things away. Mm -hmm. And because they know that it's not okay, but like they want to affirm themselves in their decisions, they're constantly finding new and enticing. Sure. What one day looked very obviously like sin, the next day it's got this, you know, beautiful colored wrapping paper on it and it's sure. bulk and society is telling you, no, no, it's completely acceptable and it is not the same thing. So you have to, this is like one of those situations where it's really important to consult the word, like keeping your, your scripture reading like up and making sure that you're reading that every day. Mm -hmm. Enemies always trying to get us to do what? To sin. 
to fall away. To yes, sir. Yes. Uh, yep. Mm -hmm. And that's what Buddhism is. Right. Making you think you're okay with the things that are ultimately destructive. Yeah. And um, there are tons of others like that. Uh, not only that, but people are scared to say anything because we, we're made to feel like if we say the emperor has no clothes, there's something wrong with us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, look at the Garden of Eden. Satan came to Eve and Adam and has God said? Did he really say not to eat of that tree? He still uses that today. Especially to Christians, he'll come, he doesn't come right at you, he'll come around the other way and say, did God really say you're not supposed to gamble? Did God really say you're not supposed to go to the casino and waste all your money? You know, that kind of thing. That's what he's about. Yeah, Bob. Let's not forget what the pastor brought in uh, and said in his message. I mean, there's nowhere in the New Testament where, you know, tithe are mentioned. So, but, you know, the pastor said in Deuteronomy tithe, mm -hmm. and then he made sure he made a point about saying, yeah. Yeah. And he's a liar. And so I have a friend that's a very close friend of mine. He doesn't believe in paying tithes because there's nowhere in the New Testament. Oh, gee. <laughs> Yes. What about when the prophet came to the widow? It was during a time of great famine. And he said, would you make me a little cake first? And she had just enough meal, I think it is, to make the prophet a cake. And, 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 and she gave of her all there. That's all she had left. So what did God do then? He, he multiplied. Yes, sir. Oh, that sounds ridiculous. That comes from a wicked heart, and sin will make you quitful. Yeah. Because when, when, when the law goes away, where sin abounds, grace more abounds, and he has forgiven us, loved us, that those who are truly regenerated, they want to do that. Yeah. And they don't want to stop at 10%. They want to give as much as they possibly can. And what did Jesus say, the rich young ruler? Yeah. And people mis misinterpret that all over the place. Go sell all you have and, and follow me. Yeah. He would have still blessed him. Yeah. 
Right. I've heard that one. Right. I mean, all through the Bible, it talks about you know giving of what you've got, of what God has given you, giving back to Him. Does He need it? No, but He blesses it. about the, the ten talents. There's another example. Well, I buried mine in the ground, Lord. I didn't <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. And that's exactly part of the reason why, like, me and my husband, it's not just the way that we do things when we tithe and when we choose to give extra to things yeah. in the church. Um, one of the reasons why we've always never wanted recognition for any time that we've done that yeah. is because we've also had people come to us in the past when we've made a financial contribution to the church and seen and say, oh, don't say that about it. People come to us and go, well, how, why are you giving them that? You need to be doing X, Y, Z. You don't have. Yeah. So you're telling me 
Right. That makes no sense to me. God always had time for me. Why wouldn't I have time and money to give to him? I, I had an example. This is about six years ago, I think. We did a thing out at Simpsons Park. It was, called, it was a motorcycle thing. We had the, the guy that wrote the book. Uh, what was his name? He wrote a book about, he went over to Africa and uh, took his machine gun with him. That was his story, machine gun preacher. That's what it was. I had him with us over there, and I went and got the Men of Grace. If you've never heard of Men of Grace, what a blessing. They're a, they're a group. They sing without music or with music. They sing a cappella. Anyway, they said to me, uh, Pastor Ernie, we don't really, what? What? Oh, did you? Well, anyway, they had told, they said, Pastor Ernie, we don't want an offering. And they'd, everywhere we went, they did that usually. So I took up an offering out there for them. We got $1,400 for those brothers. That was a blessing. I mean, if you've never heard of Men of Grace, they bring the anointing right in with them. But see, God, God will bless. See, they didn't want anything. They wanted to sing for the Lord. And the Lord blessed them because of that. Okay, where were we? Oh, <laughs> uh, number 15. According to verse 11, what is the result of sin's deception? <laughs> the verses we just read, verse, Romans 7, 11. What is the result of sin's deception? Yes? Death. Death. Simple, yeah, that's, that's a simple answer. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Amen. Okay, uh, Romans 7, verse 12. Romans 7, 12, if you're back there. If not, I got it right here. Okay, so the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Wow. What is Christ's relationship to the law? Well, Co- brother, you, I'd like to answer that. Huh? Okay, Bob. Only the Holy One of Israel, only Christ, yes. the perfect uh, Son of God, could fulfill the law. That's true. And he did. Praise God. Right, so from that verse, what does what does Paul conclude about the law? According to that verse, the law is what? To add to what Bob said, I also said, you know, yes, he is going to fulfill it, but I said he also helps us, helps bring us back to its original purpose, which is to help us not condemn us. I think that a lot of Right. Looking down on us, we're never going to be able to move past this, and then laws evolved and stuff like that with time, and people just kept getting more and more discouraged. But the laws weren't meant to discourage you; they were like a blueprint for life. Exactly. And things to stay away from and things to do. Things that kept us alive. So. It was to help you. It was God's love. Yeah. In destruction. So Paul is saying the law is what holy and righteous. And righteous. Amen. Okay, 18. Let's see here what we got. 
Okay, we've got a little bit. Based on your study of Romans 7, 1 through 12, what we've looked at tonight, list on the chart below both positive and negative aspects of the law and its work. Okay, positive. That'll be an easy one. Positive. It provides what, huh? God's what? Guidelines. Guidelines. Yes, it does. Boy, is that true. And it causes us to know what? Yeah, and it causes us to know about our sins. Okay, any other positive points there to what we've discussed tonight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Show God's love. Anything else? It's just good for society. Even if you don't get saved, if you just follow God's basic laws to love your neighbor uh, and to treat people like you want to be treated and to have reverence and respect for God, your society is better. And we yeah. found out that when the law or the Christian society or Judeo-Christian values vacate from society a lot of times, those societies tend to decline. That it's good just for the general population of society. Yeah. Sociologically. Negative? What about negative thing? Hmm? Okay. Yeah. And and what else? I yeah. have three things. Okay, go ahead, brother. Number one, death. Uh huh. Two, death. And number three, death. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were dying to say that. <laughs> for further study, do the same for Galatians 3, 10 through 14. And Hebrews 7, 18 and 19. You got a couple minutes, folks. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Oh, that's not good. For it is written, <laughs> cursed be who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Hmm. Let's look at 11. Verse 11. Now is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall do what? Live by faith. Okay, 12. But was not the faith, rather the one who does them. Okay, who knows what that means? If you were to analyze that, what would you say? But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. If you were to figure that out, what would you say? Mm-hmm. They were all in there and they were listed. So if you're really striving to walk in faith and if you're really 
Yeah. That's positive. Yeah, something that's um, I was thinking about what you said it. When you're trying to live by the law, you're literally teaching yourself for salvation. Mm-hmm. You're saying when they put the book of the law out there and Joshua said, These are the laws of Moses, and he said, Be careful before you answer this. And what did they do? Arrogantly they said, This we will do. Yeah. In other words, you put your law out there, we got you, buddy. Yeah. We can do this, and that's yep. literally what you're saying when you try to live by the law instead of depending on grace. Yep. You're saying I don't need your grace; I can do it on my own. Yep. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Yeah, it's pride. It's exactly what it is. It's, it's sin. Yep. And you can't, and that's the whole point of the law. Yep. The schoolmaster lets you know, no, you can't do it. So <laughs> you got to rely on grace. Yeah. And the righteous shall live by faith. Great. That's good. Good stuff. It's a big one. Look at Lucifer. Yes. Uh-huh. On God. Praise God. Oh boy, that's not the truth.
yeah. pride in the law. Yeah. Yeah. We've been saved forever. And you mean this dude that just came off the street selling dope, killing people at the same crisp status as me? Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. It bothers us. That, but I'm better than him. Nope. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I've been serving Jesus for 50 years. And, and that's what Jesus meant when he said he brought all these people in. And he said, I got to feel. And they worked in the field, and then some people came by, what, about an hour before time to quit? Yeah. <laughs> he paid everybody the same amount of money, and they said, wait a minute. Uh, he said, it's my field. Whatever right I pay, I'm going to pay them. In other words, it hurts our psyche, and that's part of our pride. Yeah. We get arrogant to feel like because we walk with God a certain amount of time that it builds us up and makes us feel better about ourselves. And so that's why we always trying to make rules yeah. What, what to look like. And a good Christian, you heard that. A good Christian should look like this. For 50 years, you couldn't be a good Christian unless you wore a tie to church. Look around you. Nobody wears ties to church anymore, and everybody's still saved. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> That's pride. Exactly. That's Amen. You know, be careful of Jesus and. Yeah, right. Jesus. Just Jesus, that's right. You know. Yes, Bob. And I wish I would have done this sooner because after I had told how confident I am in her that if she made up her mind, not only could she drive a car, but I said you could fly a 747, not a little plane, but a 747, big plane. And that built her confidence up. But at the same time, I had shared basis, if not daily basis. 
That's good.
and she turned, she looked at me, she gave me the dirtiest look I've ever seen in my life. And I just like really quickly looked back at her and said, not you getting angry with me for telling you that you're quick to anger. And then she gave me another look and she slowly reached out and she was like, will she hit the button on the page? Good. Any questions or comments? I don't. How long, Pastor? How long are the folks out there listening? Um, what? Usually it's forty-five minutes, but they're still running the stream. So uh, they're not there right now, right? They are, they are there. Oh, they are there. Hi, Hi folks. Oh, okay. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in tonight and for listening. We had some good input. We had some good students here. And uh, we'll be right back here next week at 7 o'clock on our study of the book Romans. And we're having a ball with it, by the way. God's got a good sense of humor, too. So uh, we want to say a prayer before we go tonight. Uh, if there's any of you listening out there on social media and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, John 3.16 says that you can do that. He says uh, he's... Sends his word to us. I'm <laughs> John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. That whosoever, and you out there are whosoever, all of you, would call upon him, you'll be saved. Amen? And your names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we want to pray about that tonight. And if you're out there and you need prayer, you're a Christian, you're going through some stuff, God's there to help you. Jesus is there to help you. But we're going to pray tonight before we go. Lord Jesus, thank you for the folks out there listening and tuning in on social media. Touch each one, Lord Jesus. If there's some that need you as Lord and Savior tonight, have them pray that sinner's prayer, Lord, and accept you as their Lord and Savior. And if you do tonight, let us know. And Lord, touch those tonight that are hurting, that are Christians, that are going through some stuff. Lord, you're the one who can fix that stuff. Thank you for reaching down and touching them, reaching down and pulling them up out of the sea, Lord, those that are going through things like Peter even. So reach out and touch them tonight. And we'll thank you for it and give you praise and worship. In Jesus' name, amen.